0: Welcome to Enroute to Success, where we have raw, vulnerable conversations between Fitz DeSanto, Sam Boyer, and many talented individuals, unraveling the truths and principles of people's experiences, methods to grow, and discovering how to live a fulfilling lifestyle. Buckle up. The journey begins now. Did you hear that again, Fitz? Did it do it? Yeah,
1: I think it's going to happen all the time now. <laughs>
0: that's funny. I guess it's a new setting. but I think so. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Enroute to Success with Fitz and Sam here. And we have a very special guest joining us today that we're really excited to get her story. And first, before we dive into that, I got to check in. Fitz, how are you doing today?
1: I am good, Samuel. Why am I calling you Samuel? I been <laughs> calling you Samuel the last few days. Um, but I'm good. I'm always excited and I'm looking forward to speaking to our special guest today. So,
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I go by many names, so whatever you want to call me, keep Same. it up. <laughs> <laughs> but to get into it, we have Heather Siler with us today. And Heather, for those of you that don't know, I've known Heather since I met my best friend in seventh grade, Ethan. And she's been like a second aunt to me. And she's just full of joy and a warm heart and a good spirit. And we ha- I'm not going to give her story away before she gets into it because it's just so awesome. So, Heather, how are you doing today? And then we'll kind of get things started.
2: I'm fantastic. And uh, you're right. You're my nephew. <laughs> second any to anybody. You will always be my nephew. So, if you don't know, um, I have known Sam a lot of his life. And it was so cool to get that phone call from him. Because I have always actually admired Sam as a person. I've always seen him as so loving and giving and uh, dedicated to his passions. And I've admired him a great deal. So it's like when you get a phone call from someone you admire, you're taken aback completely. Mm -hmm. It's nice to meet you as well, Fitz.
1: Pleasure
2: to meet you. you. But we'll see how it goes. You know. (laughs) And you know, you'll be my new favorite. Who
1: knows?
0: (laughs) I know. I have tough competition with this guy, so you gotta be careful.
1: (laughs) No, I mean I could see the the chemistry between you two and I really that's really refreshing. And thank you so much for speaking with us today, Heather. It's really and I agree with everything that you said about Sam. Yeah. I get excited when <laughs> Sam
0: calls me.
2: So. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> an inspiration to many.
0: <laughs> well, thank you both. We can just end the podcast right there. And um,
1: Great. See ya. <laughs> oh,
0: my. <laughs> 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 anyway, thank you so much, Heather, for that. And um, we'll just kind of open it up for you to share your story and a little bit of, you know, kind of high overview. Um, We'll definitely dig into some more details and as we go, but just to give people a little backstory of who you are and kind of how you got to where you are now.
2: Sure. So um, I think one of my greatest accomplishments in life, I'm not ashamed to say, is that I'm, uh, oh, I've been a woman in recovery from alcoholism uh, for over 15 years now. And that's um, a big part of my life. And I'm also, uh, right now, I'm in kind of process of, I've had a couple of career changes over time, but I'm in the process of potentially owning my own state farm agency. I've been working in insurance for some time. Yeah, it's exciting, terrifying, (laughs) stressful, you know, all those things that uh, the good things in life can offer us. Right, mm-hmm. and so even though it's really terrifying, it's very exciting too. <clears throat> and so I have a beautiful, perfect marriage in my eyes. You know, my husband and I are soulmates, and I have the most wonderful, beautiful family. Uh, no offense to either of you, but mine truly is the best.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no offense. Um,
2: yeah, and I'm just so grateful to. Um, always be able to share my particular story anytime I'm asked to do that. It is a true honor, and um, hopefully, I'll I'll say something that could uh, touch someone. So I appreciate you having me.
0: Of course, thank you, thank you, Heather. That was very good and concise. So oh, great. Well <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. So, kind of based off of that, and and you already shared, and they're kind of the the awesome accomplishment of over 15 years sober, which is amazing, by the way, that's such a commitment. And one of the, one of the reasons, of course, other than you just being an amazing human that we wanted to have you on is like kind of digging into how that's been done. And um, to your point of it being able to touch some other people. So I guess kind of the first thing we wanted to um, get into asking you was like, On the flip side, so like prior to this whole recovery journey, like what actually kind of triggered the alcoholism and what started that that whole event for you, and you know what was that originally?
2: Sure, I think my opinion is that I I truly believe I was born an alcoholic, right? And I think my alcoholic behavior started long before I was drinking. And that happened to me as a real young person. Um, There was kind of a triggering event that kind of changed my psyche a little bit. And what that was is when I was very young, um, I just found out through uh, family, just by happenstance and not um, in any the meaning to do this. But I found out that my dad wasn't my real dad. It was something was said. And that was my first experience of real fear and confusion. I didn't know what that meant. And I was very young. And so I did what a lot of addicts will also say they do is I pushed that down really deep inside of myself. Okay. And I never talked about that. And then time went on and I guess enough time had gone on and that kind of built up inside me that uh, I was with a family member. And I kind of blurted out, well, my dad's not my real dad. And they were shocked at my saying that. I don't think that they wanted me to maybe know that. Um, But after that, I was told this beautiful story. And it truly is a beautiful story that um, my mom, when she was in college, you know, she was the prom queen and uh, gorgeous and, and smart and funny. And she went away to college when she was there. She uh, happened. She was raped and um, she became pregnant from that rape. And that was a terrible time. It was, you know, 1970, uh, sh- just before Roe versus Wade, you know, kind of came into play in this country and, Uh, Some of her friends there had told her that they would fly her out to New York where they were performing abortions, and she declined that. But she was suffering from that, certainly from that traumatic event, but then also being pregnant, she didn't know what she was going to do. And so that was a pretty um, difficult, obviously terrible time for her. She finally made the decision with one of her sisters to go home uh, to her mom and other siblings and tell them what had happened. She had been holding that inside of herself for a while. Um, We come from a big Catholic Spanish family, right? Very passionate, very loving. You'll probably notice I'll cry a lot. It's just part of who I am. (laughs) But anyway, they were talking about this and what they were going to do. And there was a lot of, you know, crying and indecision, And it was just a really tough time. And the story goes that My uncle Frank, who was 17 at the time, pounded his fist on the kitchen table. And he said, enough arguing. And he looked at his beautiful sister and said, you can have this baby. And we will help you. And the decision was made. And then several months later, I was born. And I grew up in that beautiful family that literally to this day adores me. And they were just teenagers at the time. And they carted me everywhere and uh, gave me a beautiful life. But that thing, having that knowledge really affected me. And again, throughout my young adult and early adult life, I kept that really deep inside of myself. It really affected my perception of myself. I um, struggled a lot with feeling disconnected maybe from people, you know, does my dad love his quote unquote real kids more than me? If I can't be perfect, you know, which is a lot of addicts will talk about that. You, you want to be perfect so that you can be worthy of this life, worthy of love. And I struggled a lot with that in my young adulthood and early adulthood. And so I think that's kind of where that trigger of that innate you know, alcoholic gene in me happened. So I suffered a lot with self-loathing, uh, fear, um, and, and that perfectionism is a big one. If I couldn't be perfect, I would give up. You know, I would just, I'm not good enough. And um, so that's how I lived my life. And I suffered with that for a long time until I came into the program of AA it's not for everybody, but it certainly worked for me. <laughs> and I'm going to keep doing that.
1: Wow. So that was
2: the triggering, right? That, that yes. was kind of the, how it all kind of developed. But life went on, you know, I, I grew up, I, I was always very indecisive about what I wanted to do with my life. Jumped from career decision to I'm going to do, I'm going to be a lawyer because I thought that's what my parents wanted me to be. Or I'm going to be this because I thought that would make somebody else happy. I kind of lived that way. Um, and then I eventually found myself where every good drunk finds themselves, tending bar and cocktail waitressing. <laughs> <laughs> Connected with a group of people, one of them, a man named John, and uh, she and I became very fast friends. And that's when my drinking really progressed. Alcoholism progressed pretty rapidly. One day, Corey came back and she... She had greeted us at the restaurant. She was kind of apologizing to me for things that she had done while we were friends, and I was just kind of confused by that, but I was just so grateful to see her sober. I was really grateful for that because, man, she was a drunk. You know, not me. (laughs) (laughs) But she sure needed help. I continued to drink, okay, for many years, Um, And it just progressed. John and I fell in love and we moved in together and I thought, this is it. You know, we're going to move in together and everything's going to be great and I'm going to feel good. And I did right for about two weeks (laughs) until I realized, oh, crap, I have to start hiding my drinking (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I was really drinking a lot morning to night. I was so physically addicted to alcohol. So one day he came home from work and, or I came home from work actually, and he had all of my hidden bottles on the kitchen table. And he said, listen, I'm not
1: gonna live this way anymore. I love you. Oh, got disconnected. (laughs) I have so many things I have to peel off.
0: (laughs) I was gonna say, I'm passing it to you next.
1: Oh my God. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, you can you can start right now, whenever you're good. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did try to get sober, although at the time I was still drinking. I went to meetings having had drinks, right? Because I truly couldn't physically stop. I was very physically ill when I didn't drink. And so that didn't work out too great for me. That friend, Corey, came back into my life and just by happenstance, well... I mean, not, not in my eyes. I believe it was a miracle. Uh, but I was walking behind my apartment to the Walgreens that was in the alley, the way. And I heard my name, Heather, Heather. And it was her. And she pulled over and she was so happy to see me. And she had this little baby in her car and she looked great. And I did not, I was suffering but I kind of faked it, you know, oh, we live right there, whatever, just conversation. She drove away. Shortly after she called, she found John's phone number and called him and asked to talk to me. And she said, listen, I know that you're suffering and I can help you. And I knew that that was my sign, you know? So I did go to meetings with her still, uh, but I was still unable to stop drinking. I was so sick and so I didn't have any money or insurance. Um, so I had to go or look up state funded rehab in the inner city. Okay. That's what I could afford, nothing. <laughs> and the problem was you have to wait for a bed to become available before they'll let you in. And then on the other end of the line said, Hey, listen, you can't stop drinking until you get here because your symptoms are such, you could have a seizure. And you could die. That week, the end of my drinking was so desperate for both John and I, because he would have to feed me liquor that he didn't want to do. And he was afraid I would die every day. You know, the last day of my drinking was um, February 6th of 2006. And John had left for work and I wanted to beg him to stay because I knew I would die that day. And I was so sick. And I was violently ill in the bathroom. And I remember calling out to God. I just said, God, please kill me. I cannot live this way anymore. I just want to die. And as soon as I said those words out loud, John walked through the door. He had left work early. And that phone rang. And it was that nurse on the other end of the line saying that there was a bed available for me. And I knew then that that was a miracle. And I've had so many miracles like that since that day. Um, And I didn't know what that would look like. I didn't know what would happen. But I knew that I asked to die, that God would kill me, and he did. He killed that sick part of me, and I could be reborn. I went to that rehab in the inner city in my Uh, my roommate was a toothless illiterate crack whore named Terry and most of the addicts there their drug of choice was crack or heroin and I was one of the very few alcoholics and I was this you know cute little white girl from the county you know and they thought I was a joke right (laughs) and I had never met a woman like Terry in my life. I'd only seen her in movies, right?
1: Mm.
2: But what happened there was, we grew to love each other very much. And over those 28 days, I realized that I was Terry and Terry was me. All of our feelings and our fears, everything inside was exactly the same. And that was my first real education in the power of finding the sameness in each other. You know, I think a lot of people put roadblocks in front of themselves, particularly early in recovery. Well, I don't want to, you know, I'm not a gutter drunk. I'm not, you know, I don't relate to that because I still have my job or whatever. Looking for differences in their fellow man will often, I think, keep people stuck. You know, it's once we open our hearts to see what is the same in each other is when we can really gain real compassion and love and um, inspiration, you know, so that's what I learned there. And then I just really, at the beginning, I kept my mouth shut and I did what I was told because I knew I didn't want to go back there again. And I knew that that miracle had occurred in my life and I promised that I would never do that again to myself, to my family, and to my God. So that's what I did. I I did what I was told. I went to tons of meetings. Um, I got a small part-time job that wouldn't be too stressful. And I, of course, had this beautiful man named John who fed me and paid the bills and clothed me and gave me that opportunity to figure out how to live as a sober, healthy person, you know, and it was not easy. I mean, early sobriety is brutal because you have to really start looking at yourself, all those things you hide from. And I don't even know if that's unique to addiction You know, I think a lot of people do that to themselves, avoid things, um, not peel back the layers of what might be keeping us stuck, you know, as people. And so really, I just did the work and life went on and tough things will always continue to happen in life, you know, but we uh, have to find a way to find something that works for us. You know, I have a program, Spiritual Discipline of the 12 steps that I love that worked for me. Mm -hmm. And so I practice that to the best of my ability every day of my life. I also have a really great, uh, devout Catholic faith, you know, that brings me a lot of strength. Um, So those two things really mesh together well for me, and I'm so grateful for that. Of course, I have a great support system. I have, like I said, I have the most beautiful family who are my biggest cheerleaders and, uh, you know, I'm also kind of a hippy-dippy, I guess. You know, like,
1: <laughs> We have that in common.
2: It <laughs> makes me feel good, right? <laughs> like burning sage and doing my angel cards. I have and,
1: incense right now <laughs> <laughs> in my bathroom.
2: <laughs> I love that stuff. You know, my Tibetan singing bowls and yoga, meditation, prayer, whatever we can find that you know, connects to our hearts and our souls and helps us get to who we really are. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. So
2: much of my life I defined myself by a certain story, Mm -hmm. a thing that happened, or whatever. And we can all get stuck there sometimes in those stories, right? That we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. We forget our own humanity. We are always evolving. You know, Mm -hmm. we're always Have the ability to change and create new stories, and uh, how we do that is unique to what makes us happy. Mm -hmm. You know.
1: Yeah.
2: So life keeps happening. I mean, tough stuff will happen. You know, and you know, sometimes I do feel like, oh God, it would be nice to drink. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's. I look at people who are having fun and be like, you jerks. You know, you get to
1: drink, right?
2: It's not fair
1: know. Yeah. I can be a big baby <laughs> have you that's a good um because I have so many
0: things I was gonna peel
2: okay uh, great
0: Heather. <laughs> Sam is laughing because he's like oh boy he's gonna be doing his thing I saw Fitz's wheels turn in light I know it's, it's... at the beginning
1: <laughs> <laughs> no I mean I thank you for for sharing all that Heather that was really there's so I have so many notes but I have good. to circle whatever is is Really, what I want to dig into is that one, like, thinking back, if you would remember, how did that alcoholism escalated in relates to from the beginning, right? I know that, I mean, by the way, I'm half Spanish, too. So I know the whole oh. crying and the whole emotion and all the love that family gives you, you know, you yes. cook for family because you show love through cooking and all oh, that. Oh, Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I I totally, you and I have that similarity, but I was just putting notes here and I'm curious to know how that escalated to uh, eight to five drinking. And even so from there, what have turned you, inspired you to actually make that shift? I understand that you said you were laying down on, and you were calling for for God, for help, and you know, I could see that from your voice, I could hear that when you were talking about that, that it's a very touching incident and painful moment, because even up to now, 15 years later, but what was that shift of your thought process in relates to, you know what, this can't be, it can't be the way I'm gonna end, you know, so what was that transition for you like, so one is like how it escalated, and two, what was the turn and transition of you having that mind shift of this can't be it. And this could be done. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I think the, the progression was really covering up, right. All these painful feelings. Who am I? What is my identity? Am I defective? Right. Am I, I felt so lonely even with all the love that surrounded me. Inside, I was lonely and frightened, and I wasn't talking about anything. So I had to drink to forget. Mm. And that drinking starts not working anymore, right? You have to keep drinking more and more because it is so progressive. And then I became so physically addicted, I could not stop of my own volition. If I stopped, I would... Um, I would hallucinate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think fits. it was really just that avoiding what was really going on inside of my heart, which was mm-hmm. I'm not connected to anything. Mm-hmm. I was so separated from a higher power of my own understanding from which I call God. Mm-hmm. Some people call it something else, and that's great. <laughs> I felt disconnected from... My family, you know, am I worthy of being loved? It was almost as if like it was more comfortable to pass out than change, than to give it up. We get so comfortable in that pain. It's just a a pattern of behavior, right? And then we feel guilt and then shame for being drunk all the time. So we have to drink more to forget that. It's just a cycle that keeps growing like a big snowball.
1: Does that answer your question? Yeah, no. That okay. progression? And, and that that all makes sense. And thank you for sharing that. And yeah. I wanted um Sam, do you have any other thoughts on that? I didn't wanna
0: No, no, that that answered it perfectly. I mean, I guess kind of transitioning to the next question that I had and you kind of you kind of alluded to it with your <laughs> a little bit of a joke, but <laughs> Like when it comes to temptations and, oh, yeah. like, and mm-hmm. seeing other people drinking or just anytime that thought arises, like, how is it that you, how do you handle that? Like what, I'm sure it's all the principles and things Certainly. You learn, but like, yeah. kind of what goes through your head when, what, like, I guess, what are some temptations and then what's the thought process behind them when you're trying to deal with them?
2: Right. So sometimes I'll say, not sometimes, I will identify myself as a recovered alcoholic, right? I have recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. However, I'm not cured, right? And I'm certainly not a saint. So temptation will come. And I think most often when we all, we do have, it, it, it's like an obsessive compulsive pattern in the brain, in the body, you know, if I think about, God, it would be nice to drink. Or if I truly have a craving or desire to drink, which isn't so often anymore, but it does happen. I will say to myself, wait a minute, i have to stop and be very silent. And I have to say, what's really going on? Mm. Because I know for sure that alcohol or drugs or food, whatever it is that Mm -hmm. you're addicted to is only a symptom of a much deeper spiritual malady so mm-hmm. what's happening in my life that i'm not addressing that i'm afraid of mm-hmm. that i want to try to avoid do i owe an amends to someone have i hurt someone including myself what is it really that's happening so i have to be very honest with myself all the time mm-hmm. you know and a lot of those spiritual disciplines help me keep those desires of drinking or thoughts at bay. If I'm working a good spiritual program, which includes all those things we kind of talked about uh, the best thing I think I do to identify those struggles that I have as a human being. um, Yeah. I have self doubt, right? I have big opportunities that come along and I think I'm not good enough. Nope. I I can't do that. You know Uh, or whatever. Just we all have those. Mm -hmm. I have to stop and remember that what keeps me from falling into that desire to drink is every day I take an inventory of myself. Mm. Right. At the end of the day, I think about what did I do? Well, Mm
1: -hmm. what
2: am I proud of? What did I do? Not so well. Right. Um, Do I owe anyone's NMNs? Did I hurt someone including myself? Um, what can I change tomorrow if I don't feel fulfilled or accomplished, whether it's through my work day or my personal relationships, what am I going to do tomorrow? What activities am I going to do to make myself feel better? Right. What did I miss today? Have I missed a lot of meetings? Have I reached out to someone who may need help? What kind of service work am I doing? You know, all those things come into play whenever I get into a place where I'm not doing those things. That's when that temptation comes in, you know, when we're not doing the right activities, we will falter, you know, we will fail. Um, So I have to always be mindful of that.
0: No, that's, that's so powerful. It's, (laughs) you hit on so many things I was thinking about, like kind of the, uh, the old phrase that the idle mind is the devil's playground and yes, same thing with the activities we're doing and, and for all that to kind of seep in, but I like the inventory check. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. It's a big one. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, mean, I feel like most people don't even take the time to see how they're feeling towards the end of the day. So that's just, I think that's important for, for anyone. But right. it's, I, see, uh, I see a look <laughs> on your face. What's, uh, no. what's your question? <laughs> and, um, no,
1: I, by, by the way, Heather, I didn't tell you earlier, but thank you for going through that story. I was really fascinated by that whole story and thank you for showing up with being very raw and vulnerable in this podcast because i know it's not easy to to say your story but we really appreciate because that's really what we wanted to deliver to our listeners so thank you for that we really appreciate i could see the emotions coming from you and to all our listeners right now heather's face is so bright that it's so inspiring (laughs) just to watch you you know so thank you for that Um, thank you and my, my question to that is like, how do you get into that moment? Do you have the spiritual program? I see that you're talking about a spiritual program, different areas. My question to you that I just thought about is how do you get into that inventory? Do you go through a meditation for you to have that quiet space? How does that look like if you could possibly maybe elaborate for us, for our listeners?
2: Well, you know, I'll start by saying it's taken me a while right? It's a, it's a practice. We have what I'm, I'm assuming uh, my husband might disagree. I'll have a, <laughs> probably 30 or 40 more years on the planet, right? So, I'm always <laughs> going to be evolving. I'm not perfect by any means, and I don't work a perfect program. The great thing about that is we don't have to be. Oh, okay. I spent the first half of my life trying, thinking that if I was perfect, that everything would be great, right? And that's just not reality. We're not saints. That's the beautiful part of our humanity, right? We will um, not do everything perfectly. But for me, sometimes I don't necessarily have to get into a deep meditative state to just reflect on my day. I think doing a quick inventory can be really useful, right? So in the morning, I like to pray first. As Soon as I wake up, I definitely thank uh, my God for being alive. I didn't have to be alive
0: mm-hmm.
2: in many ways, right? And it's a blessing to, to be alive. So I th- give thanks. And then I ask for help. <laughs> Please help me through this day. First, help, help me not to drink today. But next is show me your will for me. I tried to live my own will for a long time and it didn't work out so good. Mm. So I'm just going to give that over and ask that you show me your will for me mm. um, and make it clear to me. Cause I'm kind of a dope. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I'm the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like make it, you know me, God, So make it something I can see or smell or feel, you know, so that I know I'm living your will for me. Mm -hmm. So those are, I think, in the morning kind of deeper prayer and meditation times where I am more silent. Um, I do try to listen more than I talk. Right. Which is hard for me because I do like to chat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But as far as the inventory at the end of the day, that can be quick. Got you it. know, that can just be really focusing, make you know, making a list in my mind, right? And really committing to the next day. The other side of that, though, I think is gratitude lists mm. are huge. You know, when we write things down, they become real. You know, if we're just... Thinking all the time, you know, those kind of things sometimes don't go into action. So when we write things down, whether it's journaling or just making those quick lists, I have a lot of them at work. You know, those are really great tools to focus the mind on what we actually have instead of what we want. I want a lot of things, you know, that doesn't mean that's my path. So I have to remember what I'm grateful for and what I do have mm-hmm. so that I can enjoy that mm-hmm. moment. The, just the, the gift of this perfect moment, mm-hmm. you know, is can bring so much joy. Mm-hmm. And we forget to do that. You know, we all have petty torments of daily living, you mm-hmm. know, paperwork and crap that doesn't, you know, <laughs> fill us. I mean, we got to do that stuff, but we also have to remember that real joy comes from, recognizing all the beauty that surrounds us Mm
1: -hmm. you know that's thank you that's so powerful you're touching into so many of our visions you know like oh good sam smiling over there because some of our episodes are all about gratitude some are intentions Mm -hmm. and i have to say that it it really amazes me and thank you for for sharing that heather because i've always said that guiding forces of our lives is your truest intentions when your when your intentions is right your whole body feels it so amen and so for me hearing you say that it really you're like a living thing that actually have gone through the that whole thing with the right intentions and you're living it so yes thank you for inspiring yes. me. you're welcome so i have nothing Like just I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's <laughs> fulfilled with that I'll question shut now <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, let me ask, do you have anything before we kind of move into our, our final questions here? Me? Like, I no, don't. Oh, okay. No, like
1: for me, I I don't. I, I love the story. I guess I just thought about it for our listeners. Just one last thing, Heather. I know our listeners are probably thinking because I I have sober friends and I have some have gone through the same type of program that you did so i'm very familiar with that but for me as a person i always ask i always ask them i was like are you offended do you not want me to to drink around you or have a drink around you sure you want to come down to uh, this party because but for me i'm very cautious and i'm very respectful about that so i want to see that boundary so for me my question to you is like How do you handle that? How do you, do you get offended when someone's drinking around you? Do you have that conversation? Like, curious to know, you know? (laughs) Yeah, of
2: course. That's a great question. It's a great question. I think a lot of times when you identify as an alcoholic, or if it happens to come up, I'm never shy, you know, about my particular thing. We all got our thing, right? Some people get other things. This is just mine. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean... No, I don't get offended when people are drinking because drinking's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun and it's normal. You know, yeah. it's just not fun for me. Mm. I'm an alcoholic. I if I know mm. if one drop of alcohol touches my lips, I will spiral down eventually. I know that. I'm a true wow. alcoholic. Now, if I'm in a weird place or if I Obviously, I have, you know, family members that drink and my husband's, we call them normals. (laughs) He's a normal, you know. But my loved ones are always very respectful of me. I know in my heart, if I were to ever say to a friend or a family member, I don't want any alcohol here, that they would honor that. Mm -hmm. And that gives me comfort, Mm -hmm. right? That gives me peace. Mm -hmm. So, Turns out I never really have to ask because it doesn't bother me when I, I know I'm safe with them. If I said, stop no. doing that, they would. And I'm comfortable no. in myself, right? So I know that I'm an alcoholic and that I can't drink. But that doesn't mean that I should stop you from enjoying something that's a wonderful part of life. If I want that, if I'm trying to control someone else's drinking, maybe I still have a spiritual malady. Maybe I should really work on that. Because it's a normal part of living. You know, most restaurants have alcohol. You know, most parties will have alcohol. That's okay. And guess what? If I think alcohol will be there and I might not be in a right state of mind, right? Or if I'm struggling in some way, or if I just feel off, I don't go. I'm a big girl,
0: right? <laughs>
2: there are yes. many times. You know, John and I have wonderful friend group, and sometimes they'll have a party or whatever and I'll just say babe sure. I can't go this time you know and he's totally mm. fine with that and so are they they know who I am so I think being comfortable in who I am makes that okay I'm not ever offended
1: yeah and it's amazing how people and friends shows up that way right the way they respect oh, yeah. you and you you would really know who you're I would say quote unquote real friends and family are because of that. That's right. You know, because for me, one of my friend one of my good friend, and I know she's gonna listen to this, Kelly Curtis, she went in my wedding and there's alcohol in my wedding and and the first mm-hmm. time I saw her. I talk, I was like, are you okay? I was in the reception, and I know I was probably <laughs> buzzing. I was like, are you okay? And she's like, stop nah. worrying about me. And so she's like, stop. And then so she left early at 830, and I was like, she's like, I'm leaving. I said, okay, thank you for coming. But mm-hmm. in my heart, I know she was there for me, and that now, it amen. has gotten to that level, and she's she has to go. So so yeah. I respect that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, for answering that, Heather, and sharing that. Yeah, of course. Damn, I got nothing. <laughs> I'll shut up now. I'm a chatty too. Sorry. I'm fitzy chatty. So no, I love it. I love it. No, that was,
0: that was a good question too. And I, I guess it kind of leads into, I mean, you shared so many like methods and ways to kind of handle this, but just if you were giving just your advice to anyone, either specifically struggling with alcoholism or really any addiction yeah really just I think there's a whole other level that we could have gone super deep on which is just that self-discovery and like yes. introspection. but like what tips would you give the people who are potentially struggling with something similar and, and and just that advice from your side
2: being honest finding people that you love right or that love you obviously in the addiction community, we have things like AA or other types of groups. If it's not AA, it could be a a counseling group, you know, group therapy or a personal therapist, right? But always being honest is huge, you know. Um, For so much of my life, I felt different and, you know, disconnected, like I said, For, for those reasons, the circumstance of my birth, you know, and, and Um, being an alcoholic, you know, separated me from people and I had to realize over time, I didn't want to be that anymore. When I was truly the most happy is when I was connecting with other people. That's what brings me joy. Being honest about where you're at, what's in your head, even if it sounds crazy, you have to say it out loud. When we say things out loud, Uh, as people who might be addicted or when we're suffering in silence and keeping it in, it is controlling us. It's infecting our whole being, our physical health, our mental health, our spiritual health, right? So we have to verbalize things. We must get them out with someone who you trust, whoever that is, being honest and then remembering the truth, right? We get caught up in things that aren't true um I'll say this, it, it might be a story, but but indulge me. So, you know, growing up, I always had those feelings inside. And I remember my one of my first jobs, big career jobs in sobriety. I was I had the opportunity to run this day spa. There was about 25 people, a team that I would lead, terrified. I mean, I thought there's I'm gonna fail. There's no way I can do this. I can barely keep myself together. And I was truly afraid. And so my beautiful mother came to my new office and she brought me this framed picture and she put it on my desk and it's a picture of me. I might be three and I have this blonde curly hair and I'm looking right at the camera And she's holding me on her hip. So it's her profile gazing so lovingly at me. And she says, babe, when you are afraid and when you think you cannot go on, I want you to look at this picture because that is who you are. You are a bright, shining light of God's love in this world. And you are capable of great things. And that's the truth. So I think we're all that little girl, that little boy, capable of so much beauty and capable of great things. So we have to remind ourselves of that. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, you are powerful. You can Other people's lives by giving compliments, spreading joy, being happy, even at work, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) is a spiritual discipline. Okay, and there can be joy in that. Right. With clients, you know, recognizing who you truly are in this world, identify what that is. And be that. And when you get into struggle and when you're not sure, tell yourself the truth. Don't buy into that old story and those lies. They're not true. They're just feelings. And they will come and go. But feelings aren't facts. You know, my mom always also, I talk about her a lot because she's pretty amazing. (laughs) And she is perfect and beautiful in my eyes, but she's so resolute in truth. And Sam knows her. Mm -hmm. You can attest to this, Sam. She will tell the truth. And then at the end, she'll say done. (laughs) Like don't even bother arguing because it's the truth. And two of my favorites are God don't make junk. Done. Right. And where there is life, there's hope done. Love it. So life will happen, but there's also great hope in the truth of who we are. We are good. People are good. They get lost and we fall, but we are truly good. And you have to practice that goodness.
0: I got nothing. That was so amazing. <laughs> done (laughs) Done. (laughs) that was awesome yeah no such such good advice you even went into the one of my favorite things is the positive affirmations Mm
2: -hmm. like you Mm -hmm. have
0: to believe and tell yourself that you are great and worthy Mm -hmm. of improvement recovery whatever it is so Mm -hmm. yeah so much to go into but Fitz before I (laughs) start to wrap up is there anything you look very content right now so I feel yeah I'm I'm th- I'm telling you this is our therapy. Thank you, uh, Heather.
1: You're I, I feel welcome and inspired right after no, I got nothing, Sam. Um, <laughs> I, thank you, Heather. I really appreciate the time. We really appreciate the time you sharing your story, and this is this is all, all powerful to us.
2: I'm so glad. I, it's such a joy. You guys inspire me. The work that you're doing now is so important. I cannot wait for this thing to blow. Up. I loved all of the podcasts. I listened to everyone oh, and yeah. that is amazing. What you're doing can change the world and don't ever let anyone tell you it can't.
1: Thank you. Thank so you. Much. That means so
2: amazing.
0: amazing. Awesome. Well, I think that's a beautiful place to go ahead and wrap things up then. Absolutely. So <laughs> <laughs> with the, uh, with this actually, I think Fitz, do you want to walk us through what, um, what you might be grateful for today.
1: Yes, I am, I am grateful for honesty, honestly. That's something that really resonated with me talking to you, Heather, and, and thank you for showing that. And I'm grateful for, for honesty and truths today. So, yeah. how about you, Sam?
0: I, I'm grateful for Heather, you I just such an awesome- I was gonna
1: person. say the same thing about you, crap! <laughs> Uh, it's okay there's no wrong answer
0: (laughs) no you're just you've always just been such an amazing person and i feel like the um your mom had it spot on like you are a very bright light your personality your story how you treat other people i've always seen that so i totally agree your mom is right done
2: (laughs) amazing
0: how about you heather
2: Oh my gosh i'm so grateful for you too sam this is the of one of the highlights of my life uh just knowing you as a man and watching you grow and the way you love my beautiful son nephew ethan i'm glad you're my nephew i'm grateful for you fitz it was such a pleasure meeting you for inspiring me and doing your good works I'm grateful for my husband. He's sitting on the couch listening. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really grateful for him. I'm grateful for my four-legged baby, my angel in a dog suit, Josie. Uh, And I'm grateful to be alive. What a beautiful time to be alive.
0: Amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much, Heather. We absolutely appreciate your time. And uh, is there, is there anything from your side um, in terms of like social media or things if, if people listeners do want to reach out to you or you know get a hold of you in some way that you would potentially want to share?
2: Sure. I'm on Facebook, you know, you can always im me, uh Heather Seiler, and uh Instagram, same. Um and if if someone needs to reach out to me, I'm sure they'll find me there. I think those are the biggest platforms, right? Right now. What do people say? Like, I'm such an old lady at this point. No, you're right into know. the DMs or whatever the young kids say. What? I don't know.
1: I'm not that far. That's that's my main platform. Yes. That's
0: awesome. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. And oh. you can always get my
2: email from Sam if that's your gig. Sure. I don't know. That's perfect. But I'm always here for anyone who needs any help. Awesome.
0: That is perfect. And then from from our side, you can find us directly at our email at alohafitssam at gmail.com, on LinkedIn separately, Fitz DeSanto or Sam Boyer, or on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, or Pinterest. Wowzers. (laughs) Success365. And Fitz, I'll pass it back over to you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Sam. And yes, that's, that's my marketing hat that I want to be. Thank you so much. And all right, well, we'll end it. As we always say, guys, even small victory is worth, worth to be grateful for. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll talk to you. Thank you, Heather. We'll talk You're to you. Welcome. Take care.